It's off-white. Okay, it's Dover white. It's, it's. I love it that they have a name for all of the different shades of white when you go to buy paint. You gotta put a name on. <laughs> I need to. Okay, I need to get. Do I need to get my mic in frame so that we all have yeah. our SM7Bs in frame? I know. Ah. So does anybody know the deal with the other the other filter, the one that I don't put on because no one's supposed to? Because it looks dorky. The big one. Yeah. The big round one. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean. I don't know where mine went. I was kind of looking for it because this one is actually like falling apart. Like yeah, I think up. you're supposed to use that for like a real okay. more echoey room. I mean, I probably should use that, but I, I don't. Oh, really? Well, I have a kind of an echoey room. I haven't yeah, put sounds any sound pretty good. That's the way mine is. I, I, I am in my workshop and I, I keep wanting to build some sort of a podcast booth, you know, but I've been saying that for three years now. Everybody's always like, well, if only you had access to some tools, you could actually make your own podcast. Hmm. You know what? I was right. I recognize you, Steve. Oh, you do? <laughs> I've been subscribed to your channel oh, for kidding. like... How long have you been doing videos? Since 2008. Yeah, I've been subscribed to your video, video, your channel since high school, man. Oh, <laughs> oh thanks. Uh, yeah, uh, that's funny. All right, Chad, do you have an intro you're going to do or anything, Chad? Yeah. Uh, I, you know what, I don't, but I mean, we should probably talk about who we have fixing their mic right now. So while, while that mic is being fixed, back in uh, November 2008, randomly, out of the blue, a YouTube channel called, at the time, at the Matt Shea. Well, it was called Matt Shea 369, actually, at the nice. time. Ah, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you went <laughs> and you went through and you changed it during that one time where it was everybody was like, hey, you want to change your name? You get to change your name. I don't I changed my name to Matt Shea in like 2014, probably. Mm -hmm. Like I started making videos in 2013, like daily videos. And then in 20, I think around 2014, I just changed my display name. I still had the same. I still do have the same YouTube URL. You can reach me through youtube.com slash matcha369. Those things are so hidden now. They just a couple of years ago, they came out with the yeah. at, you know, handles that everybody can yeah. use. And so th those are pretty much history, those old URLs. Yeah, well, they force the yeah. at hand handles now. Like you have to use yeah. them. But it's kind of nice also because you can tag people in descriptions and stuff pretty easily with them. Yeah, that's, that, that is the, that's the good part of it. If you were to go to your channel and you're to click on the oldest video, which is currently available, it'd be from May 2010. Mm. It was a clay animation that you did. Yeah. Um, was that the first video or what was your first video there on, were, on the platform? There were a couple others. At least there was at least. Okay, no. It's the funny thing about this is actually it's been so long that I actually kind of forgot that I even had these videos. So originally, I had a, I, I uploaded a really stupid like uh, sketch thing. It was like me and my brother recorded in high school. I barely remember it now, but I I don't even know when I got rid of it. But at some point, I deleted that one. Um, but I had some copyright content on my uh, on my YouTube channel because mm -hmm. I uh, I don't even know if I like I, I don't know if I watched a documentary. I can't remember my thought process, but I saw this really cool clip of the mantis shrimp or the pistol shrimp or whatever, like the one that like does the thing with its claw and fires like a, a boiling blast of water at its enemies. And I think I called the video like pistol shrimp takes out whatever with one punch or something, you know, it, was, it ended up getting like hundreds of, hundreds of thousands of views on it. Like it did well, but um, eventually I wanted to be monetized. So I had to, I had to get rid of it again. So um, 
that was why I back in those it. days there was, everybody was using copyrighted material too back in 2008 2009 I did too and yeah, I was, was kind of like you know it, it was a it was a weird gray area I guess it wasn't a gray area but it felt like a gray area where I would think well I want to use this song you know in my videos and I would just look for other people who have used this song and I'm like well they're not getting they're, <laughs> they're not having any problems I guess it's okay for me human psychology at its finest like <laughs> We all wait for somebody else to do something first. Right. We all, we no, nobody ever wants to be first. Like I've gotten into investing in the last few years and it's definitely that way when it comes to, you know, stocks and crypto and all that stuff. Like nobody wants to be the first person to buy, but as soon as people see other people yeah. moving in, then they, then the herd follows in. So like, it's the same thing with everything in life. You know, if you see another person do it, it feels okay. <laughs> That's why Montreal drivers are so bad. They just, it's a, it's a never ending cycle. Okay. I, I'm not over it yet. Okay. I just went to Montreal. Clearly. No, I went to Montreal like a few weeks ago and like the drive, the, like say there's like 10 people waiting at, a, at a, to turn left and halfway mm -hmm. through that line, there's another left turn. Um, people will just cross the yellow line and drive on the opposite side of the road until they get to their turn and just make the turn. Like that never happens. Like it didn't happen in Vancouver or at least that I noticed, and it doesn't happen in Newfoundland, but it, it happens in Montreal. They're just like, whatever, just going to do it. Just going to drive on the wrong side of the road. There's bike lanes everywhere, but they do have a good rule about like no rights on reds or something like that, or either that or it's the opposite, as in like no one pays attention to anything and it's just the Wild West. I have no idea. I didn't really Not get it. The East. And when I was in Montreal, like there was so much construction as well. It was just, it was the, the least pleasant place to drive. And I just did a cross Canada road trip. So what was that like? What was it like going through, say the middle of Saskatchewan? It went by really fast. Um, my girlfriend and I basically just listened to true crime podcasts the whole time. <laughs> we were listening to uh, Canadian true crime as people do. Um, and so, yeah, we learned all about serial killers and mass murderers and all that good stuff. Um, but just as it pertains to Canadians or just Canadian it was, they were all it was all Canadian killers. I didn't even know that was a uh, thing. Canadian. Oh, yes, killers? we have. It's called we have some good ones. Canadian true crime. And wow. um, it's uh, it's it's really big. Like it's really popular. There's an Australian lady who moved to Canada and she started a true crime podcast about Canadian true crime. She did one on like the maple syrup heist, which is like obviously not that crazy like nobody died but uh it was an interesting story i've heard it before but it's an interesting story how long does it take to drive across canada it took us here this is this is how we did it so we went we spent uh, a night in revelstoke so it's like i don't know six eight hours outside of uh, vancouver if that and then we drove another like six hours to um uh, Calgary for two nights because my brother was there. Then we went to uh, Regina for a night. I think that was the next stop. <laughs> Alberta, Saskatchewan. <is> <laughs> I don't know why I always giggle when I hear yeah. that. <laughs> no, yeah. Regina. It's a, a great name place. for a place. Why isn't uh, it true. Regina for crying out loud? Because <laughs> no. the West wouldn't be the same. It wouldn't have that ring to it. You <laughs> it doesn't know? have that ring. So we, uh, that was actually the worst place we stayed was in Regina. We, we stayed at a Super 8 motel. Oh, and uh, yeah, it it was just so old and like it's all like old carpet everywhere. <laughs> so you, you weren't embracing the 
the retro chic look of the place oh my god no it was bad and like there was no like there was no way to walk around in regina either like where we were really we're right next to like a pretty busy highway and like the highway like the roads next to it didn't even have like sidewalks like it was all made for cars so like even crossing Mm -hmm. the road i had to like walk through like a grassy spot to get to the like there was like a crosswalk button but like no sidewalks anywhere Mm. i just wanted to go to the liquor store (laughs) i made it i made it um that was the worst stay though so it was super eight in regina and then we went to um uh winnipeg after that i believe that would be the next stop winnipeg was nice we stayed at the the sandman in winnipeg and it was uh actually a really nice hotel probably the best hotel we stayed in we went to Thunder Bay for a night, and then it takes two days to drive, like, unless you go crazy. Like, I, we weren't doing 16-hour days. Like, eight hours of driving max a day. We didn't mm-hmm. do any night driving, because frick that. I don't know where moose are. Probably everywhere. <laughs> um, so we went, went to Winnipeg, uh, and then we had to do the two-hour, or sorry, Thunder Bay. And then, so we did, like, a halfway stop between where my sister lives in Milton, Ontario, and, uh, and... Uh, Thunder Bay, a place called Batuana Bay, like just the middle of nowhere, but it's a little place called the, I think it's called the Voyager's Lodge. And it was actually my favorite spot we stayed. It was like, it was affordable and uh, it didn't have that many amenities. It was just kind of a nice, like low key place. They had a little like convenience store in the lodge and it was, it was lovely. And then we went to Milton, Ontario, saw Niagara Falls. We went to see my buddy in uh, just outside of Ottawa. Two days in Montreal. It only took, you know, it doesn't take very long to drive from Ottawa to Montreal. Two days there. We spent a couple days. We drove from there to Fredericton. Stayed two nights in Fredericton. Got on the ferry to Newfoundland and then had to drive another half a day to get to my parents' house and then another half a day to get to our final destination. So it took two and a half weeks, I think, wow. total. So are you a road trip kind of guy? Is this something you, you would normally do or was this just like a special, nope. let's do this thing? You know, the furthest I've ever went on a road trip uh, in my life was from Fogo, which is like central Newfoundland pretty much, to um, Pictou, Nova Scotia. Like not far at all. Like just get on the boat, you get off the boat, you're pretty much there. Uh, That was the longest one I've ever done uh, until I visited my brother in Calgary from Vancouver. So that was, you know, 12 hours each way. Um, So I'm not really a road trip guy. It's not really a thing that I do, but... uh, it's pretty easy. Like, it, I thought it was going to be, I thought, like, by the end of it, I was going to want to kill my girlfriend, you know, or my dog or something, because I had her and the dog in the car. It was pretty good. Nobody nobody wanted to kill each other. It was uh, it was nice. Um, overall, I thought it was going to take a lot longer, like, mentally. I thought it was going to be like, oh, my God, please, I don't want to sit in the car anymore. I didn't even really get a bad back. Sometimes I get a bad back if I go, like, four hours in a car. So, I don't know. It worked out. You need that lumbar support. Yeah, I cranked it up. Cranked it up on the old driver's seat. I like how your first road trip was like the largest country in the world. Yep. Yep. That was the first <laughs> real of. road trip that I've that I've done that involved staying anywhere in between. So what did you did you take away something that you'd like some perspective that you didn't have about Canadians before and after the drive? Yeah, I didn't I didn't know we had the world's largest paperclip. What? Yeah. Get out. Do you know that? Get I think out. it's called, or is it the world's largest red paper clip? <laughs> well, this, quickly googling that's pretty, this. What did I, I really see? <laughs> world's largest red paper clip. 
Sorry. <laughs> These are the kind of things you have to see on a road trip. You got to see I wasn't going to see it. You got to see giant dinosaurs and all this. The stuff. road was the highway was closed. We had to take a detour. That's why we ended up in uh Kipling uh Saskatchewan. It's a pretty I don't even like since when is there like different colored world records like oh I have the oh, biggest blue paper clip. Oh yeah, well, my <laughs> yellow paper clip is actually not that big, but it's still the biggest yeah. yellow paper clip. Yeah. So if I just get like a, some if I paint a paper clip like a color that mm -hmm. people just aren't familiar mm -hmm. with i could call that dover white the world's you could paint dover, dover white like white. your your wall in world's the largest dover white paper yeah, and then you know, someone could have an eggshell one and uh... it was a pretty big paper clip it was like i think it was like 16 feet long like you ain't gonna bend it like it ain't going on paper did you go to Sudbury? Did you go see the, the largest nickel in the world? We actually didn't even make that many stops besides for like uh, places to stay like at night. I mean, my, my girlfriend, and I guess I kind of feel the same way. She, she was like, oh, we probably could have, you know, stopped more, yeah. taken more pictures kinds of things. But um, we didn't. So we didn't see that much. But Niagara Falls is probably the best thing I saw. And I, I'd seen it, but it was like I haven't seen it since I was 12. So did, did you spend a lot of time there or was it the kind of thing where like, uh, yeah, okay, that was good. Oh, we didn't stay long. We, uh, we just drove down, uh, you know, we parked, we did a little walk along the, uh, the path there where everybody's like taking their pictures and stuff and got a couple pictures and got a picture with the dog, got a little couple's picture, just took it in for a little bit and then left again. Like we weren't there that long, but it was, uh, I mean, long enough really. There's only so long you can stare at a waterfall. But. That was my experience. I saw it but years ago. It's nice, it was though, like, like with right. the, the mist coming up and like... Yeah, okay, and the area is really cool. They have like amusement things and there's the main strip. And yeah, there's, there's like a water park nearby and... 150 cannabis stores. Really? It's a It's a hopping, hopping area. They have a huge Ferris wheel and whatnot. But I mean, yeah, after staring at the falls for like... 20 minutes you, you kind of get the the vibe and the mist mm. so you're ready to move on yeah but it was cool i actually um i really liked it i i'd seen it before when i was 12 but my girlfriend had never seen it before so she was actually pretty uh in awe of it so that was cool she was really happy we went would you do it again or do you want to do a different spot or has that filled that need and now we're going to go and take an airplane somewhere else or just like uh, do you would you want to do another road trip in that way no 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 um, totally done. I don't, I mean, I would like, I am going to do another road trip in the next couple of years, but it's only going to be to PEI because that was the one province we didn't get to. Uh, we didn't get to any of the territories, but luckily they're called territories. So you can just forget about them and go to all the provinces, right? <laughs> oh, there, we have such a confusing, <laughs> what's the, what's even the point of a territory? There's fighting words like, there, right? <laughs> at least you guys all agreed on states. We're all going to be yeah. a state yeah. and a part of I a republic. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do. I wouldn't do a big, long, like cross Canada road trip. Um, mm. I don't think. I'd love to do like a train thing, though. Hop on the train and go somewhere. You got to go to. You got to go to Nova Scotia to even get on the train, I believe. Yeah. Chad, we should probably tell people that we're talking to Matt Shea, <laughs> who is a who is a YouTube gamer with like I'm a gamer. Like a, I'm like, a Canadian. Over 3 million subs and about 3 gazillion views on your videos. It's amazing. 1.2 billion? Yeah. Did you do anything special for a billion views? I don't remember. 
just kind of went. Now I gotta by. Google myself again. <laughs> what? Matt you Shea. mean you don't Google yourself all the time? <laughs> One billion. I said again. Okay. I built. I spent a billion dollars in a game called Grow Castle. I mutated a billion humans in a game. I grew a billion dollar money tree. I made a hundred billion on a money volcano. No mention of my one billion views. <laughs> there you go. Um, but it's fine. I, I mean, I, I don't think I did anything special for it. It was just kind of, I think I made a community post and I was like, what the heck? A billion views, man. So let's talk about what happened between May 2010, which we talked about, Clay Animation, obviously probably just using YouTube as a whatever. What compelled you to start getting into to gaming videos? Yeah, so the same friend who I made the Clay Animation with, he's my best friend, we grew up together. Um, so the, the reason we did that one is because somebody came to our school and they were doing like, they were teaching like grades like seven, eight, and nine or something how to do like animations and stuff, like clay stuff. And like we were in grade 10 or 11 at the time and we weren't allowed to, like we weren't part of that thing at all, even though like it's all part of the same school, but uh, they only did the lower grades. So we actually talked to the guy who was doing it and we, you know, we like just, I don't know if it was like after class or after school or what, but we had a chat with them. We were like, oh, this is really cool. And like, you know, we really like clay animation. Like we were watching like um, uh, Knox Corner is one of them, like a really old, like little blue guys. Um, I was really into this guy, Dan McKenzie. I don't know what he's up to these days, but he made some really cool. There's one where a little wireframe reaches out and like scoops up the the clay and makes, it's like a, a, a video of a wireframe making itself out of clay, like making a little, and it's got that song, ho, 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 it's magic, you know. And it's a, it was a really cool video. Uh, and um, so we were into clay animation a little bit and he was like, well, you can submit something for like our like final whatever. I don't know, they were showing off the different projects. So me and him did one just for fun. I uploaded it on YouTube and then the reason we actually started, because he uploaded a couple videos too, but the reason we started making videos is because Minecraft came out. And like this was when Minecraft had, I think it was like 30,000 downloads. Like nobody was playing it yet. And my buddy said to me, hey, you heard about this game called Minecraft? I was like, uh, what? Uh, Minecraft? And he was like, yeah, it's cool. It's got, you know, like... You know, you like you mine things and you can make stuff. And he's like, and then the exploding creepers come at night. I was like, oh, what? So anyway, then CNanners released uh, his series, Let's Play Minecraft or whatever, right? Like this was like history. Like this was a big thing. Like this was when Let's Plays first started. And like people always ask me like, so what do you do on YouTube? Do you play the game? Do you tell other people how to play the game? Um, so I always had to explain like, well, no, I mean, I, I'm not like t doing tutorials. I'm like, I'm playing the game for the first time, mostly just messing around, you know, just having some fun, making a couple of stupid jokes. Um, but like Minecraft kind of, kind of um, like made that happen. Like, I, I don't think there was much in terms of Let's Plays before Minecraft came along. And I think the beauty of the Let's Play when it first started was the fact that Minecraft doesn't come with an instruction manual. You just you just end up in the game and you're just standing up and do 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 do. <laughs> you're like, what the heck do I do now? Like, oh god, this is fist. You start punching a tree and like, 
Anders video was like, here's how you play Minecraft. Like here, we're gonna make our first house in Minecraft, right? You gotta punch this tree. And like, I think a lot of people watched it because they had no friggin' idea how to play Minecraft. But after that, Let's Plays obviously started becoming more of a big thing. I wasn't even making them. I mean, I made a few like Let's Play videos back when, back when, uh, uh, back when I uploaded, it was uh, like, one of my first videos after the clay animation was uh, called What's at the Top of the Nether. So I got this idea. You can't break bedrock in Minecraft, but what if you could? You know, what if you, what if I had a mod that let me break bedrock? It was, it was a builder mod. Now you got creative mode, right? You just go in there and you can do whatever you want. But there was just survival at the time. And I decided, wouldn't it be an interesting title and thumbnail? Well, I didn't even, it was like a basic thumbnail. It was like me just punching bedrock, but I decided, hey, wouldn't this be an interesting video if I find out what's at the top of the nether? I actually, looking back, I did a pretty good job considering that was pretty much like my first ever commentary video. And I was like, you ever wonder what's at the top of the nether? Well, today we're gonna find out. And then there's nothing there, of course. I mean, it's just empty space, but the video ended up blowing up over a few years. I stopped making videos um, when I went to university. Uh, probably stopped in grade 12. But uh, in grade 12, the, the way I was able to make videos, because I, I lived on an island. Like, I'm from Fogo Island, so like, we didn't even have high-speed internet until 2008. So before then, um, like there was, even when we did get high-speed internet, it was only 60 kilobytes per second up. So you couldn't even upload a video. Wow. But my school, because we did distance learning, the school had better internet. I don't know what kind of setup they had but it was much faster. So I used to use the school internet from my MacBook to upload my YouTube videos. And then I didn't have a gaming PC or anything. And then I moved away to university and I got back into it because I got a job and it was like, it was only like a six week, it was a six week job that would roll into, it was like an intensive, like 12 hours a day for six weeks. What, what did you, um, what did you go to school for? I went to school for, uh, well, I got, have, I got a degree in behavioral neuroscience, but I, um, I was like, just, I don't even know, like, I don't even know what year that was, probably my first year. So just doing like general studies, but I needed a summer job and this one came along and it was going to be a lot of hours cause it was setting up a, uh, a Kent building supply store. So I made a bunch of money over however many weeks because I was working all this crazy overtime and I used it to buy myself a gaming PC. And then I was making Surgeon Simulator speed runs, just because why not? Um, and it was actually one of those speed runs that blew up and uh, in all the comments encouraged me to make Let's Play videos. Somebody said, make a Let's Play. So I picked a random game. Like, I don't even know. Like, I, I found a game for some reason. I was like, I'm gonna play this. It's called Lone Survivor. It's a little like pixelated side-scrolling horror game. And uh, I made a full series on it. Like, I didn't know what good views were anyway. So I was like, whatever, I'll just upload it. Someone watched it. I got comments on every video. Um, and then over time, I just kind of got better at it. And uh, I was just playing whatever came along. It was a big, it was like a really good time for like indie games and like just random stuff that people were creating, right? Goat Simulator came out around the time that I was starting to get some traction on YouTube. That helped me a lot. Like I used to just, play whatever everybody else was playing and it's pretty smooth sailing honestly i don't even know how i managed to get so many views i just 
I was encouraged by the fact that I was getting views. So I just kept getting more. I was like, good. Does your schooling in, what did you say? Neural behavioral neuroscience, psychology. It's just, it's basically a psych degree. Does that come into play in your games in your, and your uh, videos in any way? I think, I think my strategy, um, like for example, one of the big metrics on YouTube is watch time. You want people to watch all the way at the end. Sure. So I always try and set up my videos. So the best things happen at the end rather than, you know, like if you make a video and you call it driving my car a thousand miles per hour and you do it in the first 30 seconds and then you drive your car at a normal speed for the rest of the video, <laughs> people are going to not watch. But if you start your video and you slowly make your car go faster and faster until eventually you're going a thousand miles an hour and then the video ends, well, you encourage people to watch it because psychologically speaking, they're going to stick around until they get what they came for. So I've always tried to just kind of get my, my thumbnails to kind of represent the content or get you to click or whatever. Just as long as I'm not misleading people, because if you mislead people, they get really upset at you and they yell at you for making clickbait and whatever. I want people to come to the video, get what they want. I want people to be satisfied by the end, right? So that is a, I think it is a big part like of psychology, just trying to figure out what people will actually like. And What makes for a satisfying Let's Play videos? Because I mean, let's face it, there's a million different channels doing Let's Play yeah. videos. So what makes for that satisfying video that somebody's going to sit and watch, you know, upwards of, What's an average Let's Play on your channel? 30 minutes? Mm, 20 minutes, 20. usually. Yeah. Well, a lot of my videos aren't like that great, to be honest. Like, you know, they're pretty run of the mill. Like you said, there's a million people making Let's Play videos on YouTube. Um, like, if you want to, if you want to be successful, you have to stick out in some way. Like when I say like, I want the viewer to be satisfied. I mean, like whatever the viewer is into, if they click on my video, they should you know, get what they clicked for. If that is, if, if they want to see me go a thousand miles per hour in a car, they're clicking because they want to see that. So when I say satisfying, I mean like they get what they came for. They're satisfied because they clicked. There was an itch they want to scratch. They scratch the itch, they leave, right? And if you're at all entertaining at the same time, they might subscribe and come back later, right? Well, don't, don't you think that's the key right there? They're coming to see you. Yeah. It's... So I, I haven't really thought about it in this way in a while, but I used to kind of explain it as in like, you have gateway videos, like you have videos that do really well and, and reach a big audience. And then you have your videos that you want your audience to watch. Like, so like a gateway video would, for example, be, I made this video. So I did a little series on Terraria. I played Terraria for the first time, got through the whole game. Um, and then I said, okay, now I'll do, this was like in streams, so it's like, my first real video on Terraria was called Terraria, but I can summon infinite minions. And basically, normally in the game, you can't summon, say, more than 20 things that fight for you at once. But if you could summon hundreds of them, that'd be really cool. It'd be kind of satisfying to watch a hundred, like, birds or whatever, kill an enemy kind of thing. So that video ended up, like, getting a few hundred thousand views in no time. Like, within weeks. I think it has, like, a million now. Um... So that would be what I would consider a gateway video, something that people probably not gonna get somewhere else. Like other people have done it, but like if it pops up and piques your interest, you probably gonna click on it. More so than like Terraria, let's play Terraria episode two, 
We're building a house. Nobody cares, right? Anybody can do that. Might be fun to do it on like a live stream or something, but like if you want something that people are going to enjoy and something that's going to stick out, you do something a little different. So that was definitely like, you know, a gateway video, something where you reach the audience and then you don't need them all to enjoy it anyway. But like if you can get like even 1% of people to want to come back and watch again, if you give them something that they say, hey, I want, I want more of this, um, then you're, you're doing it right. And then you can, you know, turn those people into like long-term viewers. Do you treat it like a show? Like when you're doing it, are you kind of a character or is the secret kind of leaking little bits of your authentic self into your videos? It's, uh, it's kind of complicated because I don't really consider myself, to, like I consider myself to be myself on camera. But like, if I was on camera right now, first of all, I'd be louder, probably waving my arms around a little bit more, you know, like I'd be, I wouldn't be as subdued if I was like in the middle of a gaming video, right? So I do, like I project my voice more when I'm like recording and like, you know, I try and, I try and be engaging, but at the same time, nothing I do is fake. And if I react to something, I mean, if I'm reacting to something and it's fake, I'm usually like, I'm usually, obviously overreacting right so like i do sometimes sarcastically fake my reactions but like that's always been a big part of my channel is sarcasm and just like you know making little jabs at whatever i'm playing and things like that do you use a lot of calls to action are you active with like hey smash that like button if you wanna i'm like <sighs> Not really. Well, yes, I do. I do a lot of smash the like button call to actions. I don't do a lot of like, hey, subscribe for more kind of things. I tell people sometimes if I'm starting a game like, or if I'm playing a game uh, that I've already made videos on, I'll say, by the way, if you want to watch more of this, if you like this video, you can click the link down below in the description to watch more. Um, so, I mean, I do a fair amount of call to actions at the end of a video. I do the end screens now. So at the end of a video, I'll just scoot to the side and just point at the open space and tell people to click there. And that at least keeps people moving, right? Like that's smart, yeah. Because otherwise they're what like, "What do, do I do next. now?" Yeah, yeah. And they get to watch me right up until the end. Like I'm, I only stop talking at the last like three seconds. And if you watch like the waveforms of my videos, uh, the for the audio, like you'll notice that like I just basically never shut up. <laughs> so I, I don't know if that helps keep people, you know, watching yeah. or not. But well, in real life, I mean, obviously they don't talk that much. Yeah, it but. looks like you're killing it on the live streams too. I mean. I'm looking at one you just did four weeks ago. It's over five hours long. So mm. like, do you stop and pee in the middle of that at some point? I probably didn't, to be honest. <laughs> I'm usually, I'm like chronically dehydrated. So I don't pee all that much. Uh, like my, my diet is like energy <laughs> drinks and uh, cranberry juice. Like I never, like I'm, I'm never drinking like water. I should, oh, but like, yeah, you, so like I sometimes get up and pee, but I would say most of my streams, I sit there for like the whole time. <laughs> oh man. Like I, I, I streamed yesterday. I try and stream every Tuesday. Yeah. I played this. It was actually a pretty successful stream. I wasn't sure how it was going to go. Like my not so successful streams, like I played this game Celeste and it's, I guess a little niche. People didn't really care for it. I was struggling to keep a hundred viewers on it, mm. but I played this game called Suica game. It's like, um, it's called Watermelon Game. Mm -hmm. And you're just, it's like 2048, you know, where you're combining twos and fours and eights and sixteens or whatever. But you're doing it with fruit and the fruit move around in a little like kind of container. 
you drop the fruit in and you're trying to combine. So anytime a fruit touches a fruit of the same uh, type, they'll just combine into a bigger fruit and you're trying to get a watermelon. Um, so I sat down, played that for a couple hours and I played until I got a watermelon. It doesn't end there. You can still like keep going until until yeah. you run out of space. I don't think you can get a second watermelon. I don't think the, I think it's set up so like best you can do is get a watermelon and then pretty soon after you're going to lose. But that one, I had five to six hundred viewers, like concurrent viewers for the whole stream. I mean, is it just like exhausting to just to keep that level of you know you're on the microphone the entire time you're playing the game the whole time you you're you know engaging with the audience there's a lot going on there for several mm -hmm. hours um what one thing people say to me in stream something i get a lot is matt you sound different or you matt you sound bored right because <laughs> i'm just using like a normal voice like i'm just i'm just having like a normal conversation like i am now a lot of the times when i'm on stream i still like yell and shout a little bit but like I got to keep like the energy a little lower because like I can go for like an hour or two hours even like at my like, you know, optimal, optimal energy level, you know, like projecting my voice and waving my arms and whatever else I can do that for like a solid hour. But like I can't do it for four or five hours straight. So like my streams tend to be a little more on the like, quieter side, let's say there's not as much talking, especially in this Suica game. Like it was great because I was so focused on the game itself that I like didn't even, um, I didn't say that much. I was just like concentrating. Like I was giving a little bit here and there, like trying to figure it out. Like, okay, should I drop this one here maybe? And then that guy might go over here. But like for the most part, like it was probably one of like the quietest times I've been on stream, which was nice. I'm still sick. I got, I picked up a bug when I went to the YouTube thing. And like that Friday, cause the thing was on Wednesday, that Friday, I had a sore throat and I'm still not over it. It's been over a week and a half now. And like my voice is still not back to normal. It's not, it's not COVID because I, I did a couple of tests, like several days in between. I, I have something picked up something. A lot of people are getting sick right now, but um, yeah. So like, it was nice that I could just, you know, take it a little easier. And so I just did kind of a, uh, laid back stream, but it, it was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. I didn't know how the views were going to be. Like sometimes people don't care at all. And like, I don't know if you, you've noticed this, but like if your click rate drops by like 1%, like you can lose like half your views. So like if I want to click, if I want a good video to be 8% and my video is 4%, like I'm probably getting a quarter of the views. It's not going to be half the views because like it's got like a compounding effect, you know? So the, all of the 0.1% matter all all of them it makes yeah. such a difference especially past like six percent the difference between six and six yeah. five or whatever so i get you this is leading into the next question being are you an analytics person clearly the answer is yes because you go to youtube events where you catch colds and you also sure. know all of these words you I know do. all of these things do you spend too much time paying attention to your analytics no actually i don't know how many years ago i guess back when i peaked after i peaked i like stopped peeking at my analytics so much because like nobody wants to watch their like stats go down yeah so like a lot of times i'll upload a video and i won't even look at the views till the next day <laughs> i feel you i'm like i don't want this to ruin my day i don't want to i don't want to see this be a number 10 out of 10 and like ruin my day i'm just going to keep going at the end of the day an individual video doesn't really matter all that much like uh <clears throat> and we've had this like 
this comes up all the time with YouTubers. Every YouTuber is scared if they take a break, they're gonna lose like their whole following. Like they're, every YouTuber is afraid that if they stop doing things the way they're doing them, it's all gonna be over, including me. I've been scared of that many times. I took, a, I took an entire month off uh, when I went on my road trip. It was like five weeks or something like without recording. And like my views dropped, but like if I was getting like 300K a day before I left, like it dropped to like 150 without any uploads. So still pretty good. Like now I'm at about 250 a day. Um, so like you don't, people think that you need to always be like grinding, but you can, you can like if you need breathing room, you can take it. When you, when people are watching your live streams, do you find, or do you even know like kind of how long people are watching? Are they just like jumping in and out? Or are there people who just watch the entire thing? Or is it, do you think people are mostly just kind of, it's in the background and they're just kind of doing other things in their day? So the interesting thing about that is how I meant, you know how I mentioned the Celeste live stream and how it didn't do very good? The average view length on that, because you can see that in your dashboard at all times, it'll just tell you how long the average person is watching and how many viewers you have and how many total clicks you have on your stream. That stream, the average viewer was watching for two, two and a half minutes. Hmm. And when I played this Suica game yesterday, the average viewer was watching seven minutes. And the good thing about a game where you're slowly getting somewhere, like with Suica game, like you're just, you're trying to, like your fruits are getting bigger, right? Like you're trying to get the big fruits and people can click on your stream and when they get there, like, oh, he's halfway through a run that looks like he's gonna make it. It looks like this guy's gonna get a watermelon. So they'll stick around because there's suspense. If you can generate suspense in your streams, like you can do really well. I don't have a clue about how to stream properly. Like my streams are so hit and miss. And like, I don't always want to stream the games that are popular on my channel either, hmm. which is a bit of a, a bit of an issue sometimes where I'm like, oh, I want to play something new or something random. And like, people don't always like it. So it's a, it's hard to find that balance sometimes. Do you inject games you want to play regardless of that? Sort of. I look at it like a Venn diagram. So on one end of the diagram, you have things your audience really likes. On the other end, you got things you really like. And in the middle, you have the things that you should be doing, right? So like my audience likes, say, battle cats. So they like, say, they like games that are cartoony with like, you know, weird characters in it that you can unlock, things like that. I can find games that are like that. Not all of them are gonna be games I like, but I can find some games that fit into that criteria, right? Um, same thing with like, I played Plants vs. Zombies. I can find like other Plants vs. Zombies games or ripoffs or whatever, and they fit that same kind of thing. And they're games, I, I really like Plants vs. Zombies. That's one of the reasons why the series did so well. It's because I really enjoyed it. And if I really enjoy something, the audience picks up on that really sure. well. Like they're like, oh, I can tell. I can tell this guy's having a great time right now. And I want to see more. Like I've always said, if I'm having a good time, then I'm doing my job. Like if I, I think that if I'm having a good time, my audience is gonna have a good time. So that's all I try and do. I try and enjoy myself doing something that I think my audience will enjoy watching me do. And if you can, if you can do that right, and people will, people will feel, feel it, right? Do you prefer making YouTube videos or do you prefer streaming? No, I prefer making YouTube videos. First of all, because it's more controlled, more control, way more controlled. I don't have to worry about saying stupid things, you know, like 
if I say something stupid and I think it's too stupid for a video, I can just cut it out. And like if my editor sends me a video and she left in something that I was like, oh, that was kind of stupid. I hope she, I was hoping she'd edit it out. I'll just edit it out myself, right? I, I can, I like having that control and I've had to give up control when I got an editor. I've had an editor for five years now, six years. Uh, she's been editing for me for three, I think. Um, but I had an editor before, it was a friend of mine, a couple of different friends actually who would cycle through, edited for me a little bit. But get, letting go of that control at the beginning was really hard because like it's weird knowing someone else is watching the stuff that like doing the stuff you normally do yourself. And it's weird knowing like, you know, they're like, cause there's always awkward parts in videos. There's always like slip ups or like, you know, you get tongue tied and things like that. And that's all going to be there for the editor to see. <laughs> you know, somebody's watching that. Yeah. Somebody's watching it all. Right. So like it has sort of in a way changed, not like completely how I act on camera, but it sometimes, um, I'm, I'm aware of that. And sometimes it helps me actually. I find that if I know that Miranda is editing a video, I get less worried about like certain parts of it. Like, oh, well, uh, I'm always thinking about how I'm gonna cut certain things or like, oh, I, if, I, if I get a little tongue tied, like, oh, where do I start over? Like that kind of stuff. I find it a lot like smoother when I know someone else is doing it. Oh, she'll figure it out, right? And I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of stumble through my words less. I do less takes on things and it actually is, it feels better than if I do a take and it's not good enough and I'm like being a perfectionist. So I think it's helped me be a little bit less of a perfectionist because you can't, if you're a perfectionist, you're gonna want to control. And if you let go of the control, you can't have perfection anymore in, in, you know, your definition of perfection. So does your editor have to know a lot about gaming and the games that you're playing to be able to be an effective editor? Not really, because I tend to only talk when I want the audience to see what I'm doing. Like, so for example, like, I mean, plenty of these games that Miranda edits for me, she has not played herself. Most of them, I'm sure. Some games she likes a lot. Some games, uh, I don't know, she doesn't say when she doesn't like a game, but she'll let me know, oh, I really like this video. I really like this game. It's super cute. Um, so I don't think she needs to know too much because my videos are usually set up so that they're easy to understand anyway. Um, but like if I'm playing something that I've been playing for years, like Battle Cats, like I've got a pretty high level Battle Cats account. So like when I'm doing stuff in that game, a lot of the times it's pretty complicated or like, you know, it'll be over a lot of people's heads because like, oh, what is this cat and what is this level? And like, oh, it's, it's going to take me three years to get there. Uh, but she did like I, I started a new Battle Cat series on the Switch version of the game. She's been editing all those for me because I added all my own Battle Cats videos for the main game. But now I've got her editing my Switch Battle Cats videos. So it's a little different for me, like, uh, just I, I know someone else is editing it and uh, it, it feels a little different when I'm recording a little easier almost you know because like I said I, I know she's gonna take care of it either way so it sounds like you have content buckets you know kind of how to like organize your content do you feel streaming or, or that live you know play with me is like just a content bucket that you kind of have to fill as in like you're doing it because it's almost Yes, there's an element of people that want to see me live and do this kind of content, even though maybe it's not my first love. I've been like streaming off and on. Like I, I did some Twitch for a while. 
Um, and then I stopped and then I decided I was going to go back to YouTube. And I feel like I did that like a couple different times. I think it's always because like I want, I want to get like good views on my streams and I like, I want people to enjoy the streams, but also what I want from streams is different from what people want from me. So that can be pretty difficult. Like I said, like I try, I try and stream like games that people like, like, um, like some of my most popular games, but other times I just want to kind of relax. I'm like, you know what? I'm not in the mood to go crazy today. I just want to play this game about beavers building a dam. Right. Um, so it's, Sometimes, a lot of the times, I just feel frustrated by it because I'm not getting as many views as I want. Whereas at least, at least when I'm making videos, like they tend to be a little more targeted towards my target audience. But when I stream to my target audience, it goes pretty well. Like I can get like on Battle Cats if I'm doing like one of those like um, gotcha things where I'm like opening a bunch of like rare capsules trying to get like special cats and whatnot. Like I've gotten five thousand concurrence on a stream like that before, so wow, that's that is a lot on a live stream. You get that, yeah. but it is nice to have those fully fleshed out videos that people can always find, you know, later down the road. I don't know if people go and watch the replays of streamed videos that much or not, or you kind of feel like you have to be there at the moment to watch those. It depends. Like I did a, I had a really successful live stream there about six months ago. When I finally beat my singing monsters and had all the monsters, I only had a few left. And then an event came on where all of the limited time monsters, every single monster in the game is available to breed at once. So I did a video called breeding every monster or a stream. And it was hours long. I think it has like half a million views on it. I don't know how like the watch time is. I, I didn't really look too much at the analytics on it, but I would imagine it probably did really well for watch time if it's doing that good right so that's some people like i always get jealous when i see like people like do a stream and then have that stream get like a million views because like you can put a lot of ads in four hours you know <laughs> whether you're doing them yourself or like just automatically putting mid-rolls in like youtube is going to serve a lot of ads if you can get someone to watch a four-hour stream like they're going to be watching like a dozen ads wow. yeah so you'll get more money and like that's the like i'm a long form creator and always have been like my videos have always been like 15 minutes or so. Um, so like I get better ad revenue than a lot of people. And like shorts, for example, they don't pay at all, no. really. Like I got like a million views on a short and I made like a hundred bucks or something. I'm like, okay, cool. It was like 10 million and I made like a few hundred bucks. I'm like, you know how much money I would have made if this was a long video, right? Yeah, I kind of feel like so the like, shorts now are becoming either you are super top tier YouTuber who can make some money off of shorts or people are just kind of stopped doing a most kind of mid-level YouTubers you're kind of seeing that it's just not worth the time anymore. And I noticed you mm -hmm. haven't really uploaded any shorts in the past few months. No, but my, one of my last shorts got 10 million. Views, I know. So. <laughs> That's why I was just looking um, at that. But I think which it was, like, was great. Like it, yeah. it, it pulled, like it got at me a ton of new subs and things. I don't know how much, like it didn't directly change that much, but like, and I've got more, I'm going to do more of those particular ones, like the one that got 10 million. I was planning on doing like a version of that for each of the like 15 islands on the game. I was going to do like my voice making the sounds. Um, so obviously I have a lot of work ahead of me, but like those things did really well. Um, I think that video on YouTube, was it, was it 10 million on, on the short on YouTube? Because I think if that's the case, I also got 10 million on TikTok. Either that or it's five and five. Uh... 
I'm not sure. You had the most recent one was Cold Island, but I oh that one got like a mil, a million. Yeah, I think. yeah, yeah. Oh no, you you but get the one really before good, that. You get some really good views on these. Things. Oh, 12 million, 1.3. 12, 12 million, and then on, I put the same video on TikTok and got another 10 million from that. So that was a 20 something million view video. Wow. It goes to show you that if you want to get like. If you want to maximize the amount of eyeballs on your content, yeah, you're gonna to want to do shorts. Yeah, but if you want to maximize, say, your revenue, you want to like, you know, like set yourself up for the future kind of thing. You want to build out long form content that people can go back to for years. It's like so I'm true. doing a series that I started five years ago or whatever. I think I've got I've got 200 and something videos on that game. I upload it like once a week. And like, there's a lot, that's a big backlog of content that if someone likes my videos, they can go watch a hot 200 videos. It's like one person can generate 200 views. That means if I got a million people doing that, it's 200 million views. It's like, you know, you can add up pretty quick, but it takes a long time to get that all set up. How do you see the state of gaming on YouTube right now, especially compared to the way it was when you started posting, which has been a while. So you've, you've been able to see this broad image of this vertical and in just what ways has it changed? Is it better now? Is it, is it more open to more people? Is it more difficult? Yeah, it's highly concentrated is one problem. There's a lot of competition now, like a lot of competition because Back when I started, the reason that I'm successful, I'm not going to even, I'm not going to say it's because I'm entertaining or whatever. I'll tell you the main reason is I got in at the right time. Okay. It's like, like buying Bitcoin in 2018. I just happened to be there at the right time and I started making videos and I pretty much just like rode the success of all these other YouTubers that were coming up at the same time. Like not like stealing their views or anything, but like Jacksepticeye and Markiplier and all those guys were all shooting up. Like I was going to events and hanging out with these guys and like, you know, going to parties with them and stuff. Like that was back in like the golden age of Let's Plays. Now YouTube is so different. Like you have like a million different Minecraft channels and they're all trying to outcompete each other. They're trying to get the most clickable. You want to, you, when you watch the video, there's all these explosions and high energy and like everything is about grabbing your attention. And I think the main thing is just the fact that there's just so much more competition now than there used to be. Like it's a lot harder to stand out. Hmm. Otherwise, like things are pretty much the same. I do miss, I do miss like 2015 YouTube where it was a lot more about the weird games that were coming out. Um, and I don't know, it was just, it was, it was a little more fun. Like, I mean, I was making like Happy Wheels videos. Geometry Dash was exploding in popularity on my channel. Um, it was just like a really good time to be uh, like a let's player. And there were there were times where like I would get like 200 or so thousand views per video when I'd upload the right thing. And it was all just a, like a big snowball kind of thing. And it's kind of like for me anyway, it's slowed down. But now I have like a couple, like I have like three different uh, series that are doing quite well for me and that they, they never, I never upload an episode of one of these games and then have it tank. Like I don't upload it and get like 15,000 views in a day. Like I'm looking at at least 30 or 40K on a, like say Plants vs. Zombies. And I'm looking at like 60 or 70 on a Battle Cats or a My Seeing Monsters video. So like, I just feel like I, like I feel more niche than I had before, even though I try and make like variety content. Variety is really hard to do these days because it's so optimized for, you know, click rates and watch time. And if you don't have, like if, if I have an audience that's 90% for one thing and then I show them something um, yeah. 
that they're only like 10% interested in, like click rate is click rate's going to go down. No matter like YouTube will eventually find that audience maybe if you keep trying, but a lot of the times you just end up serving these videos to an audience that isn't interested and it just hurts your stats. Are most gamers focusing on just one game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of, like a lot of the really popular YouTubers are focusing on one game. Doesn't that it, it seems 5. like that how can that be sustainable? It seems like eventually you would just get just exhausted playing the same yeah. game. Yeah. Well, you will. You'll get burnt out and you'll probably hate your life eventually. <laughs> um, it's kind of the cycle of YouTube. Yeah. You do something until it becomes a job and then like slowly you start resenting the fact that you have to do it. Um, and then Hopefully, you know, you ride that low and you come back out on top again. Like I've been I've been up and down. Like I go like down like probably once a year I feel like my channel's falling apart. Like every few months I feel like I have like a mental breakdown about like <laughs> what what am I doing? Like existential crisis kind of uh, thing. I feel that. But I always like I always come back. I always I always try again. I I keep going. I've like aside from this one month I took off, like that was the most I've ever taken off. Like I I don't go more than a week without uploading. I'm always there, like, and I'm always trying to provide something my audience likes, whether that is a certain game or a certain type of game. And I can do all right on things that aren't gaming, too. I did a video where I just talked in my Newfie accent for a video. That got half a million views. <laughs> do you still love you? Like, could you imagine doing anything else? No, I'm not skilled enough to do anything else at this point. If I had, like, the only reason that I, I haven't done more with my life is just that YouTube has treated me so good. I'm a long format creator. I'm, I've get, I get at least five million views every month, and you know the money's right. So I like I don't, I don't stress myself out trying to do other things, like, which is a good and a bad thing. Like a little pressure is always good. Like a little pressure, you know, keeps you on your toes and keeps you trying to be your best. But a lot of the times I'm just like, well, there's I've got my video recorded. I'm only uploading five videos a week. I can record one video every day, Monday to Friday take the weekend off as long as I also you know upload the videos and thumbnail them and I also at least once a week I try and do a video where I edit it as myself as for battle cats but like I don't have a ton of need to do something else but if I had to like if if my channel got deleted I'd probably go get my master's in, in neuroscience and then uh, hang a shingle so they say become a therapist counselor or whatever I was talking about this with my therapist, who is no longer my therapist because he's not allowed to see me anymore because I'm in Newfoundland. He's in BC. So, <laughs> Jim, if you're watching this video, I miss you, buddy. <laughs> I do. I miss him. But yeah, I, I kind of talked about that with him not too long ago because I'm not sure what I am going to do. Like, uh, I'm glad I moved back to Newfoundland so that I can uh, sort of, you know, it, it takes a lot of pressure off me being, not being away from family and also not having so many bills, you know, Vancouver's expensive. Um, I feel like if I can get all this other stuff under control, get a good schedule going and stuff, I can branch out a little bit more. But at the end of the day, like I don't like want to get like a job. I'd rather just like say, start a new YouTube channel, do something else, right? I don't know. But one of the things that I've been thinking about is continuing my education and then going into counseling and helping people. Hmm. What you've managed to accomplish with your YouTube channel is truly impressive. Like Steve says, we've been doing this podcast for a few years now. We've met uh, countless creators. And to have 
focus and understanding of what you're doing uh, an understanding of like the art of putting these videos together the art of what you're actually doing is as easily as it can be dismissed by others still remaining relevant to this yeah. point this many years like 10 plus years to to your point uploading a video getting 30 40,000 views a day that might sound really like nerdy and technical to some people yeah however in the youtube space when you have such an established channel with such an established type of content the fact that you keep it fresh and relevant and you have like such a great perspective you should be insanely proud of what you've done well, thank you it, it's it's really impressive i mean I, I am i am proud of uh of what i managed to do but i have this i have basically just had this imposter syndrome thing right like for the last eight years i've been doing this full time like I feel like because of the fact that I don't, I mean, it's not that I don't deserve it. Like, I'm not going to say like, I don't deserve to be, you know, a YouTuber. I don't deserve to have this as my job. But if you just like do the math, like you, you know, you're like, okay, this person works at like, you know, an office job and they work eight hours a day. Okay. This guy records a video once a day. Okay. Um, you're making too much money. You shouldn't be doing this full time. Like, why, why is this what you do? I, I feel like that a lot. Um, so like, it's one of those things where I feel like if YouTube, if my channel did fall apart, I would probably just be like, well, I knew it was going to happen eventually. Oh, my mom go. told me I couldn't be a YouTuber right. forever. Yeah, you can't be crushed by disappointment if you're disappointed already. <laughs> exactly. No, yeah. I'm, uh, I am very proud. Um, and I, I am regularly in awe of the fact that I have not fallen off. Like, but I, I'm telling you, it all comes down to not giving up. Because if you look at all the people who fell off, all the YouTubers who don't upload Just anymore, they either gave up either on their entire channel or they gave up on what they were doing on their channel. Mm -hmm. And they decided to pivot too much. And the reason that I haven't managed, the reason I haven't completely fallen off is because even when I am pivoting, even when I am trying to come up with something new, like, oh, like when I started my Plants vs. Zombies series, that was a year and a half ago or so, like, I started that series with the intention of making like at least 50 videos on it. I was like, I'm gonna keep this going. People like it. Like there's like endless content here. So like I've planned that out and I've tried to like, you know, diversify in that way so that if things do happen to one game, I've got other things to rely on. And I, I, I mean, it's worked out pretty well so far, but again, I'm just, I'm just in awe of the fact that I'm still doing it. Yeah, right? and also like, I think it's important just to stick with it even through the low times because every YouTuber is going to experience those lulls and those low periods where you just want to say, well, I guess that's it, and you quit. So congratulations on all of the success on your, thank you. your channel, Matt. It was, it was great talking to you. Yeah, it was great being here. Thank you for having me.